0: That's 800 871 9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
1: You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
2: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titulating Sports with Rick Tittle. It is a fresh week of sports talk. What is going on in your sporting world? What's good? What's bad? What's good? It's been a minute, y'all. We'll talk about every sport on this show and in the entertainment world as well. I always uh, get guests sprinkled in from uh, all walks of um, the media and uh, screen and uh Theater, stage, all of that. Uh, Comedy. Love it when the comedians uh, come in as well. But we're here for you to call up, and I'll talk about any sporting topic you would like. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, Quidditch, rollerball, chess checkers, rugby, cricket. It doesn't matter. Just call me up. The next three hours, whenever you see fit. That's right, on-demand sports talk, kind of. 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529, get you in and get you heard coast to coast, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network as well. Big shout out to our brave men and women who represent us in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, Space Force, Delta Force, you're all doing a great job. Hope you stay safe and come home very, very soon. Today on the show, we have an author, Kosha Kennedy, who's written a book about Jackie Robinson. We'll also check in in the third hour with Chris Wynn from ATN. Singer Fire Rose will be with us in the third hour, along with author and diplomat David Allen Schlafer, who has written a new book called The Heir of Lemon Canaan. That's right. Speaking of Lemon Canaan, Harry Kane was at the Masters yesterday. That means he had to uh, beat Aston Villa up at Villa Park in Birmingham, 4-1 to for Tottenham. And then I guess he immediately got on a private jet to fly to Georgia. I guess he slept on the plane. It's nice being rich, isn't it? We'll talk about the Masters as well. 1-800-878-PLAY, TuneIn app, iHeartRadio app, Stitcher app, and CRN Digital Plus 2, plus streaming through sportsbyline.com. And the Twitter is at Rick Tittle. Come on back.
4: put more money back in your pocket the call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year
0: That's 800-905-7186.
3: Do you have no credit or bad credit? Well, now it's no problem with YourCreditPulse.com. Our experts have the comprehensive knowledge to help you aggressively navigate and remove any irregularities from your credit report. YourCreditPulse.com is the solution you've been looking for, from buying a house or a car or securing your next personal or small business loan. All you have to do to get started with a confidential and free consultation is go to our website at YourCreditPulse.com now. So, get in the good credit game at YourCreditPulse.com.
2: All right. Hey, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Dominic is in the studios. Uh, He is on the other side of the glass waiting to... He's poised like a jungle cat is what he is, to put you on the air if you'd like to dial up and be a part of the discourse at 1-800-878-PLAY. Don't worry, I won't bite your head off. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There are are dumb questions but there's no such thing as a stupid question so feel free to get in uh as you see fit this whole hour i have no guests so you can be my guest be my guest candlesticks angela lansbury the whole thing um <clears throat> at augusta we are watching uh one of the most meteoric rises of uh, any golfer that uh we have ever seen It's pretty amazing uh, if you think about what Scotty Scheffler has done and how many people even knew his name um, a year ago at this time. If you think about it, he went from a guy who never won a PGA tournament event to number one in the world in 42 days. Tiger, from the first time he won a PGA event. He went to number one in 252 days. Now it has to do with competition and everything, but what this guy has done, one of my favorite stories about him as, you know, I'm sure if you're a golf nut, you already knew all about him. Uh, I, I'm in the class of, uh, you know, not following golf with a fine tooth comb. So, I mean, we've definitely been hearing the name this year, But the thing I like is that he said when he was in third grade, he insisted uh, of going to school wearing slacks and a collared shirt tucked in because he said that's what pro golfers wear. That's all he wanted to be. He dressed like a golfer in the third grade, which I think is great. I never met anyone in my life who wanted to be a golfer. I never knew anyone in my life who golfed. And yet I grew up across from a hole on a golf course. (laughs) My dad didn't golf. My grandfather didn't golf. None of my uncles, none of my friends. Um, So this is why golf was never in my life. I never even thought about it. Never watched it. It wasn't until uh, my brother started golfing with his friends that I got a pair of uh, or a bag of clubs which I still have the original. I, and by the way, I golfed twice, and I left my um, pitching wedge, and I left it. I didn't even go back for it. And why? Because I have a nine. And to me, the nine and the pitching wedge look identical. So I thought, why do I also need the pitching wedge? Um, which either shows, A, I'm rich, which I'm not, or B, I'm not that into it. Um <laughs> My uh, 3-wood, years ago, ended up in a forest because I got mad and I flung it. But that's the thing. I don't take myself too seriously. Bill Burr has a great line about why he hates golfing. Because he said, there's always one guy who's mad because he's not playing well. Yeah. Well, I never get mad because I already know that I suck. But it's not about me. Let's talk about Scotty Scheffler. Because this guy, we started talking about him at the Ryder Cup last year because he went up against John Rahm of the enemy Europe Spain specifically John Rahm was number one in the world and he beat him but still a great win but he had been on the tour for 70 golf tournaments on the PGA Tour An 0 for 70 now We know that there are like 100 guys trying just to make the cut, so the odds are against you. But when you're 0 for 70 on the tour, how do you go from that to being number one in 42 days? And that's because literally two months ago, he won the Phoenix Open. Then he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And then the WGC Dell Technologies Match Play on a torrid run, and he said, I always wanted to be out here, and I never expected it, I never expected to be sitting where I am now, you know, you don't expect things to come at you in this life, you just do the best that you can with the hand you're dealt and just go from there, I never really thought I was that good at golf, so I just kept practicing and kept working hard, and that's just what I'm going to keep doing, yeah. And on that last hole, when he came out, it looked like, you know, as the day started, Rory was having an amazing tournament. He cut it down to a minus one, uh, or I should say a one-stroke lead uh, that Scheffler had over him. It was three, then it went to one. And Rory had a record-tying 64 on the last round. He couldn't have played any better if he wanted. So Scheffler had to hold him off. And <clears throat> look, the fact that Scheffler says, I, I didn't know I was that good at golf. I think he's talking about when he was 9 or 10 because he won the U.S. Gen- uh, Junior Amateur Tournament. And then he made the Walker Cup team. That's, you're going to know you're pretty good at that point. But to his point also, there are a lot of juniors that can swing it. There's hundreds and hundreds, I'd say thousands of juniors that can really hit the ball well. But they never make it to Augusta or to the Green Jacket. It's just that even-keeled demeanor, um, which is uh, he said was one of his struggles in high school and college, that maybe he was a little bit too even-keeled. And as I said, it could have it could have gone bad for him. And he parred the first two holes, and Cameron Smith was playing in the final pairing alongside him. He birdied both pulled to within one stroke of the 36 and 54 hole leader. But surely Scheffler must have thought briefly what his wife Meredith told him. As he said, they fell asleep watching in the office as he tried to quell the stress from everything. <laughs> and Scheffler, who's only 25 and he's already married, but he said this morning was a totally different story. I cried like a baby this morning. I was so stressed out. I didn't know what to do. I was sitting there telling Meredith, I don't think I'm ready for this. I'm not ready. I don't feel like I'm ready for this kind of stuff. And I just felt overwhelmed. That to me is extremely sincere and honest. Most men never want to be seen crying, much less admitting that you're crying to your wife saying, I can't take the pressure, I can't take it. But you might remember Shane Lowry in 2019 when he won the British Open at Royal Portrush. He said, I woke up this morning not sure if I knew what it took to win a major. Well, that's different than crying my eyes out. So Scheffler said, I think I felt that way because it's the Masters. I dreamed of having a chance to play in this golf tournament. I teared up the first time I got my invitation in the mail. We were fortunate enough to play here in college, and I love this place. I love this golf course. If you're going to choose a golf tournament to win, this would be the tournament I would want to win. I don't know how many chances you're going to get. And so having a chance, you know, I think I had a five-shot lead on Friday and then a three-shot lead going into today. I don't know if you get better opportunities than that. You don't want to waste them, quote. Well, he didn't. And on that third hole, when he chipped in from an impossible spot and then Smith made bogey, at no point the rest of the day did anyone get within two strokes. And he said, after that birdie, at three and then I parred four and five. I just started cruising. Yeah, now as I said, McElroy was very heroic as well. We'll get to that on the other side. But if you want to call up, talk a little bit about the jacket. I'm here for you. one eight hundred eight seven eight
1: 878
5: play Come on
6: back. <laughs> Tal, Heimatland, du mein schönes Pfälzerland. Die Wort-
0: 800-754-4531.
7: You must be crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
2: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. <clears throat> I don't know. I thought it was kind of a feel-good story for Scheffler. You know, he's only 25 and admitted how vulnerable. This is a big kid, too. He's a real big guy, you know, and already married, got the pretty wife, and she's wearing the sundress with flowers all over it. It was just kind of a throwback kind of a moment, you know, and instead of just having the same old, same old um, big star win it, <clears throat> and there's nothing wrong with that. I just thought it was a little bit, I don't know, a little bit cute, I guess, but I mentioned Rory who the last time I thought about him was that he was teary eyed at the Ryder cup talking about how much he cared about it, a tournament that uh, a competition, I should say that he kind of thought, well, whatever. And then now he realizes how important that it actually is to him, but a 64 and the round of the day and the best score by three strokes, the whole tournament. So, but Scheffler got on that back nine, and he started to put on a clinic. And he leaned on his caddy, Ted, who won two of those on Bubba Watson's bag. I mean, it's just amazing what a, what a uh, caddy can do for you. And if you think about <laughs> the, the fact that Scheffler has only been in 10 majors, which sounds like a lot to you and me, but it's really not for someone to win a major on their 10th try. Um, <clears throat> but I remember Rick Riley, this is, you know, 15 years ago or more. Rick Riley was in studio with me. And he, of course, was the Sports Illustrated guy. He always had the last page. I forgot the name of his column. But he had the last page on Sports Illustrated. And he was sort of like the Scott Osler for Sports Illustrated. Huge sports guy, but also really funny. And he was one time on the bag for Davis love the third. And cause you know, unlike me, he's a huge golf guy loves golf. And he said that uh, Davis love the third, of course only a golfer would have that name or a Pope or a King. But he said, uh, they're on the tee some, some hole and said, what do you think I should go with here? And, Rick Riley said, Whatever you do, just don't hit it into the lake. So Davis Love teed off, hit it in the lake, and looked at him and said, Don't say another effing word to me the rest of the day. And so he didn't. Uh, But you think about Stevie Williams, the guy who was with Tiger forever. You know, it's these guys who will, you know, from the golf tournaments I've been to and I've heard the conversations with the uh, caddies, it's almost always distance you know how far uh, We look about 229 235 somewhere in there and it's like what do you think go the four or the five mm I'd probably go five but let's get a little backspin on it you know they, they really are they're not just some kid like Danny Noonan holding a bag. they really are helper guys <laughs> if you like. but that's why I always think it's funny when someone takes their daughter or their son as their caddy. You know, to me, it kind of is like, I, I I know what I'm doing out here. But Scheffler got to 18, hit the green in two, and then he had six putts to win it outright. And there was no Jean Valdeville moment. But he used four of them. He had, uh, he missed a seven-footer. And then he missed a five-footer. <laughs> He rolled past, and then he rolled past, and then he missed it, and went three feet past, and then finally, <laughs> it's like I could just feel like the meltdown. He's and he's thinking, Do, am I gonna take? Am I gonna need four more putts to get it in from three feet?" Because I'm telling you right now, you and I can get it in in three feet if you give us four putts. Okay, I might not get it on the first time, but I will get it close enough to tap in. So he said it was the first time the whole day that his, he let his mind drift away. And it showed. He was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to win the Masters, glink. I'm going to win the Masters, glink. And he's like, oh, do you want to win it or not? So he made the putt, and it was very quiet. Just put his fists up, and people were cheering and didn't cry. The tears had already been spent that morning at the rental house. They're actually sharing it with Sam Burns and his wife, Caroline. And so, as Scheffler was struggling to face the task of fending off Smith and McElroy and the rest of the best golfers on earth at a course that has really reduced some of the greatest golfers in the world, you know, to ashes at some times, he just said that it was his wife that that helped him get his head on straight. You know, he's a guy who, if you watch him, doesn't seem too high, doesn't seem too low, even when he won. You know, he's just like, all right, I'm one. <laughs> and that's what I think is something that, that you and I are never going to really understand, and that is just the the magical lock with the key, and they and you have the key in your hand, and you can unlock it. And you know what it is. And then you find another lock on the other side and you have to unlock it. And it's all these mental games you have to play in a sport like golf where you initiate all the contact. No one's running at you. You don't have to put on any jukes, any moves. You don't pass it to somebody else. You can't yell at a teammate. It's just the ultimate mental game, you know. And I like some individual sports better, you know, tennis. Uh, boxing. You think about people who love MMA because you're by yourself. But this is the mental torture, this sport. So he was the number one player in the world. He had beaten everybody he's looked at for two straight months. And yet he was terrified to drive down Magnolia Lane to the course. And fear of failure is a a human condition sometimes. Um, I know Jerry Rice always talked about fear of failure. Um, You don't want to let people down who believe in us, who trained us, who know you're good. If you don't want to let yourself down, you don't want the world to remember us for what we couldn't do. But also people have fear of success. And for some people that's way more terrifying than fear of failure. You know? When you fear success, what you really fear is folks looking at you in disbelief like, wait, that guy? Or the reality that this success is not going to fulfill you. And a lot of people have imposter syndrome as well. And I know what that feels like sometimes. Like when I would be at the Coliseum and I'm doing the post-game show and people are calling me up, I always felt like one of those days somebody was going to come into the booth and say, what are you doing? You're a fan. Get out of here. Now, it was more of a funny imposter syndrome. It wasn't like, oh, no, they're going to find out I'm a fraud because I knew I could do it. But it was just sort of like, wait a minute. You didn't go market to market to earn your way here. What are you doing? You know, Um, but Scheffler said my identity isn't a golf score. Like Meredith told me this morning, if you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this golf tournament by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament again, I'm still going to love you. You're still going to be the same person. Jesus loves you and nothing changes. He said, Meredith always prays for peace because that's what I want to feel on the golf course is peace and have fun and just feel his presence. So that's her prayer every day. That's my prayer. And I really felt that today. I felt at peace. This is a guy who said that when he was in high school and college, he was the biggest hothead ever. And now look at how mature and serene he is. As I said he's only 25 years old. Um, Rack, uh, Roy McElroy last fall after he won the CJ Cup, said, I sort of realized that being me is not enough. Well, for Scheffler, being him was enough. And he said, I mean, it's Augusta National. It's about as cool as it gets. It's so fun to play. I just can't believe that I can come back for a lifetime and get to enjoy this golf course. That's right. You're a lifetime member now, even if you stink, you know, that's why I always say like of all the awards I could get, I would take a Heisman just because, well, I would say nobody can take that away unless you're from USC and you're OJ Simpson or Reggie Bush. No one can, <laughs> no one can take that away. Um, so Congratulations to uh scotty scheffler and as i said you know just the kind of it. just the story i just read about the wife and the only thing that's modern about that whole thing i just read was that he admitted he cried which is a very millennial type of thing but other than that you know it is kind of an old throwback story all right i'm rick tittle the lines are available 1-800-878-PLAY come on back on sports byline
8: With just two glasses a day, you can experience these benefits right from the comfort of your home. Some people have even replaced their morning coffee jolt with Echo Antioxidant Water. Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water.
0: 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
7: cares about anything else when you've got Rick Tittle on the radio.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Lines are available at 1-800-878-7529. Um, <clears throat> it's talking more about the Masters. A lot of athletes, they are defined by their success. Obviously, they're defined by their Team success, a lot of times people will say about quarterbacks, how many Super Bowls did he win? Which I always think is not ridiculous because it does matter, but it's probably not in my top five things when I think about what makes a quarterback great because it's a team sport. Now, if you win Super Bowls, that always is going to be some pretty amazing icing on the top of the cake, but it's a team sport, obviously. Um, But sometimes you just have to look at an athlete and not... And sometimes they judge themselves by just simply success, as you can imagine, because they're competitors. But just the desire to keep competing, to refusing to stop. And that's something that you see in sports like golf and also you see it in um, auto racing as well. But that was Tiger. (coughs) He basically lifted himself up onto the uh, the course you know the golf cart had to bring him over because of his you know his injuries and everything but hobbling through the doors on his first shot and and made the cut which was very impressive. Some people said that if Tiger even makes the cut that's the story of the weekend I it's a story. I don't think it's the story. Uh, but yesterday, um, well, Saturday he shot a 78, which is six over. And then yesterday he shot, uh, six over 78. Um, I, I, I played, um, like I told you last week, 36 holes. I got three pars and no birds on 36 holes and I lost about a thousand balls and, um, so to me, you know, a 78 is a disaster for him. But <laughs> uh, but still, when you are talking about a guy who did four rounds and, you know, didn't finish in the top 10, why would we talk about that guy? Because it's Tiger. And you could see him becoming in- increasingly more incapacitated as, as it went on because – on Thursday, when he started, he just had kind of a little bit of a hitch in his giddy up, as they say, and then yesterday, it was a full-on limp, and that's not expected, I mean, that's not unexpected, I should say, Who, from a guy who watched this event in a hospital bed with a remote last year, and maybe you thought it was tough, a proud and mighty champion, a five-time holder of the green jacket you know four putting his way around um 301 strokes four day total of a plus 13 um but still just to go out there and play for 72 holes it just shows his desire to compete and when he got done yesterday he told CBS i had the same questions about whether I could compete four rounds. It was an unbelievable feeling just to have the patrons and the support out there. I wasn't exactly playing my best out there, but to just have the support out there and appreciation from all the fans, I don't think words can really describe that given where I was a little over a year ago and what my prospects were at that time, to end up here and be able to play all four rounds even a month ago, I didn't know if I could pull this off. I think it was a positive. I've got some work to do, and I'm looking forward to it. End quote. Well, in this Trackman era where players are worried about dialing in their swings like they're, you know, instruments in a operating room, <laughs> he said, I'm going to figure out how to beat you with my best stuff. Well, Tiger did beat people. On Thursday, he took down eight of the top 12 players in the world. And as I said, on Friday, he made the cut for the 22nd straight time at the Masters. His first professional tournament in 17 months, 39 of his peers went home early. And it wasn't void of any highlights. It's just that's not what was most important to him. And two instances really stood out in a week that was, you know, you, you, f- full of these little moments. And the first came on Thursday when it all got started. And he was asked, what would you consider a success this week? And, um, well, this the, it was a one-word answer because this is the, uh, the question. Tiger, I realize you define victory only one way, and that's winning the tournament. But this tournament will be a victory victory for you just showing up and competing. He said, yes. So on Saturday, it was as cold and windy as nasty as it's been around Augusta for a long time. Maybe if you go back to when Zach Johnson won it in 2007, not exactly picturesque conditions for a guy whose right leg has more metal in it than his golf bag. And he was not playing well. He was four over on the day when he was headed to 12. Um, You might remember that's where he made a 10 in the final round in 2020, his last competitive round. But he made it a two. And the roar from that hole was probably the loudest of a pretty quiet Saturday. And he waved back Um, through all the patrons uh, and watching him play his way through Amen Corner and then hit uh, maybe the most impressive part of the week, just despite immense pain and several opportunities to quit, he never hit eject, refused to fold. Too much pride for himself, too much pride for the course, too much pride for the game. And what's said, never give up, always chase after your dreams. I fight each and every day. Every Each and every day is a challenge. Each and every day presents its own challenges and different for all of us. And I wake up, start the fight all over again. And, look, when he was 24 years old and could hit every shot you could possibly imagine on command, though his mind and his ability to bend his reality, you know, I mean, Tiger really was – like that at the time and it's still just as much uh, ambition. But if you think about PGA Tour wins, 82 of them, you know, at the time hitting it farther than anyone had ever seen and, you know, coming on, playing against the Lee Trevinos and Nick Faldos and Sevi Ballesteros. I mean, he's just transcended these ages. But now the physical the physical part is diminished. The body won't let him make the shots that had him win that tournament five times. That's not a lot dissimilar from what we saw from Phil last year. You know, a guy who had to grind for no other than just his love of the game. And a month later he won the PGA championship. I don't know if Tiger has another major in him, if his body doesn't improve. I mean, he certainly doesn't, if his body doesn't improve. But if you strip everything away from Tiger Woods, the fame, the hype, the wins, all the trouble he's gotten himself into, you're just left with a competitor. And whether you admire him or you think he's a scumbag, whatever you want to think is up to you. I don't think he's a scumbag. I think he cheated on his wife, which is a terrible thing for his marriage. I remember Colin Cowherd said that Tiger personally let him down Uh I don't think that Tiger never made any vows to me that he wouldn't uh, be intimate with anyone else. (laughs) Uh, It's nothing to admire, but I don't, you know, people make mistakes and he definitely paid for it. Tiger just craves to compete. And I think it's, uh, you know, it, it was something to behold. Now there was 15 million bucks up for grab This is the most ever in the history of the Masters. And just, I was looking at the breakdown. Scotty Scheffler for winning it got 2.7 million. Rory coming in second got 1.6 million. And then third place, Shane Lowry and Cam Smith tied. And uh, they got 870,000 each. Just going down the line, like, Dustin Johnson and Danny Willett tied for 12th. They got 330,000 each. And then tying for 14th, Matthew Fitzpatrick, M.W. Lee, Harry Higgs, Kevin Na, Lee Westwood, Taylor Gooch, Hideki Matsuyama, Tommy Fleetwood, Jason Cockrick each got 225,000. So you go, well, who got the least? Well, 52 guys made the cut. They only announced up till 50th, and so tying for 50th were Mackenzie Hughes and Daniel Berger, who each got $37,000, which meant there's only one guy who didn't finish in the top 50, and that was Terrell Hatton. Terrell Hatton had an uh, an eight over 80 on the last round. He finished plus 17 for the the four days. And (laughs) I like what it says because they said $37,000 for finishing in 50th place. It says every professional golfer – why wouldn't they be pros? I guess if they're amateurs, they don't get paid, so they have to say it. Every professional golfer who finishes lower than 50th will receive cash prizes. <laughs> well, every professional golfer got a cash prize. It's just not listed. I would imagine if you go down the scale, and it's basically every time you go down a spot, it's about three grand less. So he probably made anywhere from thirty five to thirty thousand dollars. But they're not gonna list it. You're not even worth being listed. Well that would be cool next year if Terrell Hatton, whoever that is, comes back and says they wouldn't even list me in the prize money. They listed 51 guys. And then I was in a category called professional golfer receiving cash prizes. (laughs) That's pretty good. But that's the thing. It probably didn't hit Scotty Scheffler or Mara the Scheffler as they're crying. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I won the Masters. And it's like, oh, yeah, I also got $2.7 million. Well, here's the thing. Scotty Scheffler in the last two months, $9 million in the last two months congratulations to a guy who's really i've never seen anybody rise up this fast in two months all right i'm rick tittle we'll take a quick break and we'll come on back on byline
0: That's 800 1845 Let's say life knocks on your door, and you need money to
3: live on or pay bills. What do you do? Would your life be better if you were able to take the equity you've built in your home and spend it any way you want? Here's an idea. Call EasyKnock. They can help you convert the equity in your home into cash in just a few days. If your home is worth $100,000 or more, Knock will buy it from you. You get the money you need, and you stay in your home as a renter. Plus, depending on your program, you can buy it back at any time. If you think you might not qualify, remember, they can say yes when your bank says no. Call
0: EasyKnock now and get the cash you need out of your home. EasyKnock is not a lender. Its products are not available in all markets. Terms and conditions apply. that's 800-245-9187.
9: Now you see that evil will always triumph, because good is dumb.
7: Tittle always goes commando.
2: All right. uh, Thank you for that. One more thing as I did the whole first hour on the Masters. Tiger was asked by Sky Sports, which is in England, are you going to play at St. Andrews in July for the Open, as they call it. We call it the British Open. He said, I won't be playing a full schedule ever again. It'll just be the big events. I don't know if I'll play at Southern Hills which is the PGA Championship uh, mid-June, or not. But I am looking forward to St. Andrews. That's something that's very near and dear to my heart. I've won two Opens there. It's the home of golf. It's my favorite golf course in the world. So I will be there for that one. Anything in between that, I don't know. I will try There's no doubt I will try to get ready for Southern Hills. Then we'll see what this body is able to do. By the way, Tiger won at uh, Southern Hills um, in 2007. So whether he plays between that or not is cool. But I've never heard Tiger say St. Andrews was his favorite course in the world. But yes, it is the home of golf. And I can tell you. Just from 20 years ago, the time I spent in England, people are obsessed with Tiger in England. They're obsessed with him all over the world, but they love him in the British Isles. So he'll go to Scotland at St. Andrews. It's great. And we'll take a quick break, laddie, and come back with two more hours.
12: Radio News with Tim Berg. Russia says there will be no ceasefire in Ukraine during peace talks. Russian officials saying peace talks with Ukraine aren't moving at the speed which they would like them to. They're also accusing the West of trying to derail negotiations by raising war crime allegations against Russia, which they deny. Dr. Anthony Fauci believes that Americans can begin assessing their own risk of COVID-19. But former CDC Director Robert Redfield speaking on Fox News says the country should be taking precautions for a surge that's likely to come this fall.
9: Remember, natural immunity only lasts for probably three to four months from natural infection. And secondly, people are going to be further away from their uh, third injection or fourth injection. So I do think we need to be prepared for a potential significant
0: surge in the fall.
12: USA Radio News
0: an adult elephant can weigh up to six tons the average person hundred and fifty pounds ever heard of carfentanil it's a large wild animal tranquilizer illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it it can kill the average human if you or a loved one is addicted to opiates even pain pills don't wait until it's too late call the detox and treatment helpline now we care many of us have been where you are We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 800-707-9709. 800-707-9709. That's 800-707-9709. Republicans are vowing
12: to make President Biden a moderate if they retake Congress. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also says the White House won't get in the way of his party getting things done. The Kentucky Republican also saying the border issue will be big in the 2022 midterms. One of the things the previous administration did well is they got control of the border. Uh, The president promised to come in and change everything. He did. We have open borders now, almost, so it'll be a huge issue in the fall election. A new report is highlighting one reason the Pacific Ocean is so dirty. About 70 million gallons of sewage has spilled in Los Angeles County since 2007. More than half of it ended up in storms or a river. The worst was last year with 25 million gallons of raw sewage being spilled into the ocean or waterways that emptied into it. Sewers in the area are typically inspected every 15 years. A report on the recommendation is due next month. USA Radio News. Gun smoke.
8: Fort
10: Laramie. Have gun. Will travel. Frontier gentlemen. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. The greatest radio shows of all
13: time, Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. On many of these radio stations
12: or online, just search for Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt
14: Cox. That's Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox.
12: A group of lawmakers are in Poland to meet with U.S. troops.
14: House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has led a bipartisan group of lawmakers to Warsaw to meet with the Prime Minister of Poland and officials from Ukraine to discuss the ongoing war. McCarthy said that Poland has been a strategic partner to the U.S. by contributing fully to NATO. Congresswoman Liz Cheney said that a missile strike that killed at least 50 people in a crowded train station filled with civilians evacuating from Ukraine was clearly genocide. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King. The
12: Biden administration could soon lift Title 42, an authority invoked by former President Trump that denies illegal immigrants' asylum because of public health concerns. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott says he's going to bus illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. in protest. This as Texas AG Ken Paxton says his state is already struggling with drugs and human trafficking.
3: The reality is this is not a publicity stunt. We are trying to find every possible means that we can protect our citizens because we know that the federal government is not only going to not protect them, They're inviting all of these harms to our state every single day.
12: Twitter's CEO tweeted that billionaire Elon Musk has decided he will no longer join the company's board of directors. The reversal coming after Musk spent part of the weekend criticizing the company. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
0: Hello? You there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744.
6: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
15: I hate that guy. I love that guy.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Hour two underway, and uh, we will be free and clear of any guests until 40 after, so it's more than a half hour for you to chime in and have yourself heard coast to coast as we talk sports here on Sports Byline. 1-800-878-PLAY. one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. 878 7529 Get you in and get you heard wherever you might happen to be listening in this great land of ours or so-so foreign lands. Um, just looking at Vegas odds of first Major League Baseball managers to be fired. <laughs> wow. That's pretty good. Uh, and uh, some uh, interesting names. Um, Aaron Boone of the Yankees. He is the favorite to be the first guy fired. 7-1. to one. Then Joe Madden of the Angels. Then Joe Girardi of the Phillies, it's very interesting why they picked them. I mean those, New York and Philadelphia of course are markets where they breathe down your neck, but the Angels gonna fire Joe Madden. I wanted to see where they had Mark Kotze, Mark Kotze is 50 to 1. Mark Kotze could be 1000 to 1. They want him to be the manager for 10 years, there's no pressure to win in Oakland. It should be, he should have the highest odds, and that is Kevin Cash, who has the highest odds at 100-to-1. Bob Melvin is 66-to-1. Gabe Kapler is 66-to-1. But um, interested in all the 10-to-1s, Chris Woodward, David Bell, David Ross, Derek Shelton. Do you know who Derek Shelton is? You have five seconds. Derek Shelton. Wrong. He's the manager of the Pirates. Tori Lovulo, um, Bud Black, and Rocco Baldelli. Those are the ones right there. I would move Baldelli up higher on that list. But uh, anyway, how did your baseball team do? We're going to get to it on the other side. 1-800-878-PLAY. Big shout out to our brave men and women listening on American Forces Radio Network. Check me out on Twitter at Rick Tittle. We got another two hours, so come on, back.
8: Have you ever wished the student-athlete in your family could play baseball against teams in the Caribbean? Well, now they can set sail and do just that with Team Avenue Baseball on one of its iconic Caribbean cruise camps. That's right. If they love baseball and want an experience they'll never forget, then you need to visit TeamAvenueBaseball.com right now. Founded by former pro ball players, TeamAvenueBaseball.com will lead to the baseball adventure of a lifetime. So check out teamavenuebaseball.com.
2: Check out Rick Tittle. Welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Get in and get heard. How's your baseball team doing? We'll get to all that, but let's get to Vince and Lafayette. How you doing, Vince?
5: All right. Well, My baseball team would be 3-0 if they uh, kept their two pitchers, but <laughs> they both threw shutouts this uh, weekend. But we, I guess 1-2 and two is because of the, I did like our pitcher uh, Sunday, though. I think he's going to be a good one.
2: Dalton um, Jeffries. Uh,
5: yeah. No. um, What's his name? The one that started, what was his name that starts Sunday? Was, was Dalton Jeffries. Uh, yeah. Dalton Jeffries. Yeah. I think, I don't really think he's got good stuff. I think he's going to be, he's going to, he's going to have a very good year, but the rest of the staff, I'm not too sure. I think we're going to have a, we're lucky if we're like 400 ball. I mean, that's what I feel. It's going to be a rough, rough year. But um, I was calling about Doug Wilson. I waited a week. I just wanted to. I'm really sorry to see him step down. Is it really? Is his health? Is that's the reason? Is he um, done with hockey? Is he? Is he really sick? Do you know anything at all or on, on Doug?
2: Yeah, well, he's had he's had health issues now for over a year and. And, you know, Joe Will and his son have been kind of min- minding in the store, so he probably thought it'd be stupid to go another year like that. And so he's just, I mean, the guy's pure class. You know, he's a hockey lifer. He's never going to be done with hockey. Um, but, you know, it's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. If he can't do the job to hold the title and to receive pay for it, he probably just, he did the gentlemanly thing, and that was to resign.
5: Oh, uh, you hope. You know, he might you never know. He might come back. You never know. But um, is this son going to stay yeah. on? Is this son going to stay on? I mean, if they hired. Is this son
2: going to stay on? I guess yeah. Joe Will. Joe will GM? He's not going to be the GM. Joe Will's going to mind the store, but they're on an exhaustion. Right. Hassel Platner said they're on a search for a new GM.
5: Right, but are they going to keep his son after they hired GM? Or, I will don't he know. I don't know. He's gone too. You know, because they haven't said a word about that. I was wondering, because I know they're going to hire a new GM, but I was wondering if they're going to keep the sun on too. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I hope they do good in the draft. That's kind of, a uh, you know, time to go on, because the Sharks have a good chance to get a really good draft pick this year. And the other thing I was going to talk about is the Warriors. Remember, by the way, I just remember
2: when John, when John Gruden got fired, they kept Deuce John Gruden Jr. as the strength and conditioning coach of the Raiders. Anyway, go ahead.
5: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just hope they don't fire the Sun. But, you know, some organizations do don't. Sharks are class, so hopefully they won't. But um, I was also going to talk about the Warriors. Um, um, thank God they uh, they held on to that third spot because uh, they um, – I mean, I feel like after the first round is over, and I could be wrong, you're probably going to have the Warriors are going to probably play Memphis and, and, and Dallas is going to play uh, – uh, Phoenix, And that's going to be like the four top teams that are going to be. That's going to be really hard for any one of those teams to come out of that. It, it's going to be really brutal in the West. I and mean, the East is just just as brutal. I mean, you look at all those teams, there's at least four or five teams that have a legitimate shot of winning it. Um, this is going to be a really interesting playoffs. And they're not sure yet if Curry is going to be playing on Saturday. I still think they could win the first round without Curry. I think they're that good. But it's going to be helpful at least Curry gets back in the first round sometime if he misses the first game or two. How, how do you think, in your opinion, um, if Curry is healthy and the Warriors stay healthy, how far do you think the Warriors will go? Do you think they'll go pretty far, or do you think they'll you know, just maybe go one round and that's it?
2: If Curry is healthy, they have a chance to win the whole thing. I wouldn't make them the favorite, but they have a decent chance to win the whole thing if Curry is healthy.
5: Yeah. Right now, in my opinion, there's four teams in the West and each one of those teams could emerge out of that. I mean, it's, it's going to be brutal. I mean, it's all, I mean, Phoenix is probably the slight favorite, but it's, I mean, if you look at Dallas, they've been coming on like gangbusters right now. So they're, that's going to be a hell of a series if it goes the second round like that. Um, And the East, who do you think is going to come out of the East?
2: The East, I think, will probably be a Boston. Uh, they're red hot. I mean, the Heat and the Bucks and the Sixers are all up there. But I think, I just have a feeling it's going to be the Celtics.
5: Yeah, and you also got Miami too. <laughs> That's another top. Yeah, team. so I and said, said the Brooklyn, Heat, the Bucks, Miami. the
2: Sixers. Yeah. And, and I'm Brooklyn. not. I'm
5: not. I'm not.
2: <laughs> fe- I'm not feeling Brooklyn. They have to play. They got to beat Cleveland just to get in it.
5: Yeah, I know, but I I I think Boston would be my favorite too because of the their strong defense. Um, and if I wasn't a Warrior fan, I'd probably uh, go wild card and go to, uh, Dallas because <laughs> everybody because that's where you'd make the most money on if you bet. I mean, if you bet on Phoenix, you're not going to make any money. But if you were if you're mm-hmm. going to take a wild card, you know, and I was. You know, big big Warriors fans, so I never root or bet against the Warriors. That's why you don't bet on teams you like because you're not mentally prepared to lose and stuff like that. And, and a final thing, I guess the, um, the Giants, I guess nobody talks about the Giants as much out here. How do you think the Giants are going to do this year? Do you think they're going to win your division or or go wild card and make the playoffs?
2: I think they're definitely going to, I mean, I picked him to finish third, but I think you're going to get both wild cards out of the West. I think you're going to have the Dodgers win the division. And then I think San Diego and San I think San Diego finally puts it together with Bob Melvin and the giants will also be a wild card. I like their rotation. We'll see what Joey Bart does. I mean, this is why they drafted him to take over for Posey. He's taken over for Posey. Um, I, you know, it's too bad Longoria got hurt, but you know, you just, <laughs> you think about the the opening day when Dubon somehow found himself making an out at second base, running halfway, the John Miller had a baby over that. And then Ruff walks with two outs. And then I think Darren Ruff might be slower than me when he finally scored on that Slater uh, double. But I, yeah, I think in the end, the Giants will be in the playoffs.
5: Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be, uh, the East is going to be a wild card. I mean, the, the East I pick in Atlanta, but uh, the Phillies still have a shot. I mean, and the Mets are pretty good, too. That's going to be pretty crazy. The Mets win that division, Go I ahead. think. Yeah, sorry. You no, got the Mets,
2: Mets who do you have in the Central? Who
5: do you have in the Central? Um, in the National
2: League, League Central. I, yeah. No, I it, it's funny. Just I, I knee-jerk. Whenever anybody asks me about the National League Central, I just knee-jerk want to say uh, the St. Louis Cardinals um and so i know some people are going to pick the cubs some people think cincinnati's an upstart milwaukee still has a lot of talent but i'm going to go cardinals
5: yeah that's all up in the air too i mean you look at the i mean baseball to me is almost like basketball you know except for the dodgers who are you know who and the giants aren't bad either In san diego the west is really brutal i mean the west and both divisions are brutal you'd take the american league i mean you, you look at the, i mean i'm surprised the angels did, guide with Houston. But Houston's going to be really tough. And I think Seattle's the upcoming team. I mean, that's going to be, Seattle is my dark horse in winning that division. Who do you think is going to win mm-hmm. that the Mercury the West?
2: Well, Houston will win it for sure, I think. But I did pick Seattle to be a wild card. I'm with you. Even though I hate them, I do think Seattle, they, they spent a lot of money. They've locked down a lot of their young guys, Crawford and others. I do think Seattle's going to actually end the longest playoff drought in American sports.
5: I was hoping, I was having a dream. I was hoping Musk was going to buy the A's.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. Yeah, he could build a a stadium.
5: Yeah, he's going to build his own stadium in his own city in in Oakland and just make it really nice. He's not going to worry about what the city, he's not going to ask for any taxpayers' money. That would be sweet. Right. That Yeah, that would kinda, a, that's a yeah,
2: great that'd be great. All 100%. right, hey, Vince, man, thanks for the call. I appreciate it, buddy.
5: Yeah, you have a great week there.
2: All right, you too. The line's are available at 1-800-87A-PLAY. Elon Musk, buy the A's, build a stadium with just what you have in your wallet. Use your black Amex card. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
4: Call Rate Genius now.
0: 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 449 1759 Again, that's 800-449-1759.
17: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror?
13: Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
7: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
2: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, welcome back to the uh, show. Author Kostya Kennedy is coming up in the next segment. This is our last segment for open lines. If everyone shows up for their spot. So come on in at 1-800-878-PLAY. And Vince, you've inspired me. I just tweeted Elon Musk to buy the A's. Next time he's out here at Fremont where they make the Teslas, maybe he could just pop up to Oakland and buy the A's. Look, the guy is the definition of an eccentric. When you name your kid L15-Sigma-76-52, carry the one, then, uh, then he goes back and changes it. And he's like, yeah, forget the Sigma, but everything else is the same. It could happen. Uh, But Vince did bring up that the playoffs are set in the NBA. And in the East, Miami is going to play whoever wins the play-in matchups. And um, that's going to be underway tomorrow. Cleveland at Nets. (laughs) This This is stuff that's worth watching for me. Cleveland at Nets last week, snoozer. Cleveland at Nets tomorrow... Almost must-see TV. Um, On Wednesday, it'll be Hornets at Hawks. And uh, then uh, you'll have the winners of that uh, facing uh, each other. And then that team will get the prize, which is the Miami Heat. And how about them holding on to number one? Coming on hot late with a lot of, wait for it, heat. The Celtics... um, Will play the Brooklyn-Cleveland play-in winner. Um, the loser of uh, Cleveland-Brooklyn will play the Heat, as I mentioned. The Bucks' first-round opponent will be the Chicago Bulls. Duh, Bulls, mini Bears, twenty-one, Ditka, five. The Sixers get the Raptors. It's Toronto and Philadelphia, and um, that's the East. In the West, Phoenix. Well um are they are the top seed Memphis is the second seed Memphis will well this is how it works as i mentioned we're going to have two games of we'll one two tomorrow two on Wednesday and then two on Thursday or Friday it'll be the Clippers at Minnesota um Wednesday Spurs at Pels and then on the 15th loser of Clippers Minnesota versus winner of San Antonio New Orleans so uh, Phoenix will wait for that playing result Memphis will get the Timberwolves Clippers playing winner the Golden State Warriors are the three seed they get the Denver nuggets more about that in a second the Mavs get the jazz once again the Mavs gets gets the Mavs gets the jazz <clears throat> so when you think about um, MVP in basketball um, everyone is leaning towards Nikola Jokic Uh, there's still some love for Joel Embiid Joel Embiid says if I don't win it it means people hate me I don't know if it means people hate you I've seen a lot of people put him third it's almost a consensus now that Jokic is the MVP the Greek freak is second and then Embiid is third Um, Interesting to see people who look at 4th and 5th, as I've been reading a lot of votes, and you see the name Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. uh, Those are sort of the names being bandied about. I don't think Curry finishes in the top five. So that's something, and we'll get into the matchup when uh, that series uh, gets underway in earnest. But uh, Rookie of the Year... It's either going to be Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes, um, but it'll be Evan Mobley. And Cleveland picked somebody good. Uh, I did see Scotty Barnes play in person this year. He uh, has the confidence uh, beyond his years. Cade Cunningham for Detroit um, will probably be third. And remember, he was the number one overall pick. He did not get off to a good start, so credit to him. And why would you expect somebody to get off to a good start when at most they played a year or two of college basketball? Defensive player of the year. uh, Some people will still throw a bone to Rudy Gobert or Bam Adebayo. But um, Marcus Smart is getting all the love, and it doesn't hurt to play in Boston. But how many times does a point guard get defensive player of the year? The answer is not often. So um, I know for a while there, it looked, I don't know, two months into the season, you might have said Draymond Green. Draymond Green is going to get some third place votes. I mean, I think he'll probably get some just because of the name, but I mentioned Adebayo and Gobert. There's also Robert Williams, Jaron Jackson, Michael Bridges. Uh, they're there as well. Um, six man of the year, uh, is going to be Tyler hero. I didn't know quite honestly that he didn't start. I just assumed that Tyler hero started, but no, he's Mr. Offense off the bench. Other than that, you probably say you give a little love to Kevin love. Um, Cameron Johnson with uh, Phoenix is a guy who plays a lot off the bench at the three who's not too shabby. Anthony Melton, the two-guard with uh, Memphis. He's Mr. Offense. Um, Jordan Clarkson, who comes in and spells Damian Mitchell, I should say Donovan Mitchell, uh, for the uh, Jazz. And then I thought it was interesting. There was a vote, a third-place vote for Kelly Oubre. And I thought, what the hell team is he on? I was like, oh, yeah, Charlotte. I completely forgot. Most improved player. Everybody will have a different take on this. Um, I know some people were saying John Morant. I would not give John Morant my vote. He was already fantastic. If I was going to give a Hopetown vote, I would give it to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is a guy who looked like he might not even be on the roster in a year. And he really carried the load. With the Warriors, with the Splash Brothers being hurt, especially one of them not playing for two years, but the winner of this award is going to be Darius Garland. What he's been able to do for Cleveland is nothing short of insane. Um, other guys getting votes: Desmond Bain, Dejounte Murray, uh, Anthony Simons, Miles Bridges, um, and Tyrese Maxey from uh, Philadelphia. Coach of the year is Monty Williams with Phoenix. You can go ahead and just – I mean, how he kept that team on the rails when Chris Paul got hurt. Like, Chris Paul never existed. No no one ever heard of him. (laughs) He kept playing well. Um, If it wasn't for what Phoenix done, then Taylor Jenkins of Memphis, and Taylor Jenkins is not a household name like Monty Williams or even Eric Spolstra, who – did an absolutely fantastic job with Miami Heat there. Um, in a year of that, you'd probably say, I mean, J.B. Bickerstaff, he's got the name. Um, but, uh, you know, he hadn't accomplished what his dad has. And now maybe he might even surpass him. We'll see. But uh, Imi Udoka in, in Boston, he'll probably get a few votes. I saw somebody threw a vote at Ty Lue with the Clippers. you got to be kidding me to put him in the top three. And then finally, executive of the year, and this is uh, kind of a hodgepodge, but think about Brad Stevens, you know, as he went upstairs in Boston and sort of became Danny Ainge Jr. Uh, He's going to get a lot of love from the people uh, back there. But don't forget Pat Riley, who probably is super pissed off that Adrian Brody is playing him with the fakest. Bushy mustache I've ever seen. It's so over the top, but it's still hilarious. Uh, in that uh, Winning Time, I can't believe they they couldn't call it Showtime because it's on HBO. <laughs> winning Time is such a stupid title for. Um, but if anybody's ever going to get an Emmy, it's got to be John C. Riley for Jerry Bus. Otherwise, just don't even have the Emmys anymore. Arturis Carsonovis in Chicago, he got a first-place vote. Masai Ujiri in Toronto, no, no, no. Masai Ujiri, if you want to give him a vote, give him a vote when they won the NBA title, and a cop wouldn't let him on the court in Oakland. Stackery uh, Kleiman in Memphis is getting um, some love as well. Lawrence Frank with the Clippers, no, no, no. Don't... don't if you have the a ten an owner with ten billion dollars who pays money through the teeth, and then you're not one of the best teams in the clips, don't don't come to me with awards. Um, Brad Stevens or Pat Riley are probably going to be the answers there for executive of the year, uh, I would think. But some interesting matchups, as I say, we'll get into it after the play-in games, and we know exactly what's uh, just what's going on. But yeah, the end—the end of the NBA season kind of snuck up on me as I'm watching baseball, and they're like, "Yeah, that's it. Wait, that's it. Uh, yeah, that's it." All right. Well, that's it for this segment. Come on back. We'll talk to an off king of the Britons right here on Byline.
0: pricing information 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 800-915-9654 that's 800-915-9654
8: it doesn't really matter i uh i don't like my job and uh i don't think i'm gonna go anymore
7: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show New York Times best-selling author and former senior writer at Sports Illustrated, Kostya Kennedy, has a brand new book coming out tomorrow from St. Martin's Press entitled True and uh, it's about Jackie Robinson. Kostya, welcome to the uh, show. And it's hard to take a historical figure some 50 years after making the debut and all the things that have been said about him, but to get kind of a new look on his life, how did you go about that?
18: Well, thanks a lot. It's great to be on with you. And, uh, yes, no, you, that, that's certainly true uh, about Jackie. I think what what I tried to find a fresh, fresh approach, um, The the... Subtitle of the book, as you said, it's called "True," and then it's the four Seasons of Jackie Robinson and I look sort of at four specific years in his life, like, not necessarily baseball seasons, so the four seasons are also metaphorically the spring, summer, autumn, and winter. Of his public life, and by doing that, I feel I was able to well i concentrate on years that were very important uh in, in his life and development, but that had been somewhat underreported in writing on Jackie, and it also enabled I hope, enables a reader to see him sort of clearly at different stages in his life. And it was a, it was a pretty transformative period in the last sort of 25 years of his life. Uh, and by doing it this way, sort of a window into a specific time rather than just the, you know, blow-by-blow blow unfurling, uh, I think and hope that it reveals something new uh, about him and his character and, and what he achieved.
2: You know, it's interesting. Um, I don't know how long ago it was, but it was in the last 10 years that I was watching a film of the 36 Berlin Olympics and Jesse Owens winning the gold in the Mm -hmm. 200 meter. And they said, yeah, the guy who finished second also broke the Olympic record, Mack Robinson, Jackie's older
18: brother. And I was like, wait, what? I never hear about that guy. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's an, that's an amazing footnote, and um, he was obviously a great athlete. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting, we, we sometimes think that history, we look back on history, any kind of history, and it, there's a certain inevitability to it, you know, oh, it had to happen that way. But that's, of course, not true. And so someone like Mack Robinson, who ended up with that great, Olympic career and then comes back and he essentially works in janitorial services and other things throughout uh, in in Los Angeles and Southern California for the rest of his life. Jackie, also a great athlete, or a more well-rounded athlete, um, got the opportunity that he got and certainly capitalized on it. Uh, and the difference between the lives that they led is so, so stark um, because of the opportunity one was afforded and the other one wasn't.
2: What do you think as you started going deeper into Jack Robinson that really surprised you like truth is stranger than fiction or you thought i I never heard that. I can't believe that's tr- that
18: you know that's just so interesting about him well there was there was a lot I think to what two things I guess I would say quickly one is his. His sort of changing politics, I mean, I think it was it was known that he um, he he went from different parties, right? so he was a Democrat at a certain point. he's a Republican at other points um in in nineteen sixty um when when it was time for uh to support a, a presidential candidate and and Jackie at this point was rather outspoken. Um he was no longer in the game but he he had a pretty uh high platform and he endorsed Richard Nixon over John F. Kennedy and some people were surprised by that and he just simply couldn't tolerate sort of the Dixiecrats in the South. Uh it wasn't necessarily against Kennedy per se. Um he was very strong in his opinions and and, uh, he, and and honest to them. I think the title True is because he was a person who was true, certainly to his convictions, as many people are, but he's also true to his his own contradictions, meaning that he didn't necessarily think the way everybody in one camp thought, uh, which is kind of how things are today in, in, in America, and maybe how they've often been, but he... He would break ranks to, to follow what he thought was true. Um, and and to me, that was sort of an, a new discovery, a new understanding of, of who Jackie was.
2: You know, you think about arguably the greatest athlete in the history of UCLA, if you think, you know, he got varsity letters in basketball, baseball, football, and track. No one had yes. ever done it at that point. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he was trying to be a running back for like a minor league team and then the japanese attacked pearl harbor and that kind of changed everything right
18: no yeah that's exactly right he was looking at a football career um, i mean honestly he was looking uh, for a career in sports and that was one of the things he was looking at um he'd also had a had begun coaching um so it, it was he, he was trying to trying to get Get into sports at that time, and what he did realize, however, when he went into the army, um, and they all wanted him to play on the army football team, and he didn 't want to do that because he was, he was thought about his knees and his body, and he was afraid of uh, sustaining some kind of an injury yeah at a lower profile venue like that uh he did try to play baseball and initially he wasn't allowed to play with white players on on the base um and that that eventually changed through Joe Lewis's intervention Joe Lewis was also um in in the military at the same time in the same camp um and so uh yeah so you're absolutely right he certainly had the had the ability to, to play football, it seemed like, at, at almost any level. He was an absolute star. You, you mentioned all those sports that he was, he lettered in and, and excelled at, and, and none more so than football, where he was um, an absolute game-breaker um, in the – in the backfield. And he took that sort of physical nature and that football player's body went with him into baseball. He was a very, you know, he's a, he's a strong guy. Uh, also of course, very fast and, and could be physical around the bases, uh, especially later in his, in his career.
2: What, what happened when you mentioned the army and Fort Riley and Fort Hood and all that, that, that was going on. And it took him a while just to get to OCS because they almost begrudgingly didn't want to have black officers. But, you know mm-hmm. college educated he became a lieutenant what happened with the whole court martial rigmarole
18: yeah so there was uh, an an event that you're alluding to exactly it's uh, correctly in 1945 he was on a an army based bus an, an intra base bus and was sitting uh, near the front uh, next to a woman who was actually was a, a black woman an african american woman but uh, presented as white or the bus driver thought she was uh uh, not, not a person of color, and asked uh, Robinson to get up and, and give up his seat and move to the back, and he refused to do it. Um, and he, he also knew that that was not legal on on uh, an army base at that time. You, uh, because it was federal, you couldn't segregate uh, on that bus. And Jackie was always very aware of the rules around such things, and knew that that wasn't the case. Um, so he refused to do it. The uh, bus at the next stop. The bus driver wouldn't go on any further, and they brought uh, military police down and ended up sort of court-martialing him, as you said, under, uh, you know, refusal to cooperate and in insubordination charges, which were completely dismissed uh, when when they rose up. So he had a sort of Rosa Parks moment um, long before Rosa Parks' actual event, uh, and he was always so attuned to you know, he was in some ways a rule follower. If if the rules had been different, I believe Jackie probably, not happily, but he would have abided by the rules. He didn't believe that that was a way to get progress. He worked within the system, uh, but he was very aware that the system did not uh, allow for what the bus driver was, was asking him to do.
2: I know a lot of Dodger fans like to say, hey, you know, at the end of his career, he got traded to the Giants, and he refused. He said he would never play for the Giants. He hated him too much. What What is the truth or fiction behind that?
18: <laughs> well, it's so great that Dodger fans feel that, and, and I think it's fine that they feel that, enjoy it, and um and, and take that with you. Um, So it was in 1956, right? Towards the end of his career, and and he was he actually had kind of a decent season in 1956 after really struggling in 55, he sort of rebounded to play pretty well. But he was clearly not the player he had been at the height of his career, and he was looking to move on. Uh, and he also at that point didn't know that he had the support of Walter O'Malley, who was then the owner of the Brooklyn Dodgers. And so shortly after the World Series that year in 1956, uh, Jackie took a job, an executive VP job, with Chockfull of Nuts, the coffee company. Um, and at, after he had taken that job, but before he had made it public, uh, the trade was announced. Walter O'Malley and the Dodgers had traded him to the Giants. And Jackie actually, for a few days or about a week, um, you know, re- reporters and photographers came to his home, and he posed holding Giants pennants. And you can see him and his son, you know, uh, w- with the Giants cap. Uh, he got a telegram from Willie Mays welcoming him to the team. But then uh, he never reported to Giants, and he wrote to Horace Stoneham, the, the Giants owner, and he said, listen, thank you for, for wanting me, but I've taken this job. I'm I'm moving on. And he and he went and took the job at, uh, at Chock Full of Nuts and, and retired.
2: You know, just one final question for you. I remember um, as a kid when the uh, the A's were playing the Reds in the World Series, and and he threw the um, the the first pitch or whatever it was, just ceremonial first pitch, and then he like died like a week later. But right before that, what doesn't he was already protesting the fact that the major league's front offices and managers they were all white I mean he was he was talking about that in the 70s wasn't he
18: no you're absolutely right that is before game two of the uh series between the Reds and the A's, just as you said, and uh, Jackie was given a microphone to go on 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 the field, and he was being honored. It was, at that point, 25 years after he had broken the color barrier in the major leagues, and he was being honored for some work he had done with drug rehab, and very characteristic. I mentioned that he kind of worked within the system. He was very gracious. Um, Pee Wee Reese was there, and Red Barber was there, and he thanked His teammates, and he thanked baseball for all the opportunity they had given him and the support. And then his very last two sentences, just as you're alluding to, said, You know, but I'll be even prouder and more happy when we have a black manager. On the field here, um, and he was very much um, and wasn't going to old timers' games and wasn't uh, engaging with baseball prior to that because he couldn't believe that there was absolutely no representation in the front offices or in the manager's uh, in the manager's seat. And it was two years later that, that Frank Robinson did finally break that barrier uh, as a manager.
2: Well, this year marks the 50th anniversary of Jackie's passing. It's also the seventh. 25th anniversary of one of the most significant moments in sports history when he broke the color barrier in Major League Baseball and the book out tomorrow from St. Martin's Press is called True, The Four Seasons of Jackie Robinson. We've been speaking with the highly accomplished author, Kostya Kennedy. Kostya, thanks uh, for coming on. Congratulations on the book.
18: Thank you so much. Privilege to be on with you and uh, thanks, thanks very much.
2: No problem. I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a quick break and we'll come on back on Sports Byline.
8: Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789.
0: 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
9: If you're taking a calcium supplement, it's probably not doing what you think it is
0: 809057186 that's 809057186 you're
16: so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece
7: I'm 33% sure Rick Tittle is the father of my child, but I'm 100% sure Rick Tittle is a jackass.
2: It's so funny, Twitter, in a nutshell. Vince calls me and says, I wish Elon Musk would buy the A's. So I tweet out, hey, Elon Musk, buy the A's. People are like, Rick wants to kill baseball. He wants to murder baseball. He underpays his workers. Elon Musk got his money from the apartheid. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Just trying to get a rich guy to buy the A's. Uh, Congratulations to Cleveland Guardians rookie outfielder Stephen Kwan. Made history yesterday against the Royals. He had a five-hit game in his third career game. And um, they got 17 runs, by the way, yesterday. But he's just the fifth player since World War II to have a five-hit game within their first five big league games. Yermin uh, Mercedes did it last year with the White Sox. Remember that? Gregory Polanco did it. Mike Lansing, John Werner. He also got on base by being hit by a pitch. He was on all six times. Um, so Quan was one of the guys to have a uh, breakout season. He, he's not for everyone because this is a guy who doesn't hit a lot of home runs. But last year, between double and triple A, he hit 328 and he's only five foot nine he's super skinny he has 12 career minor league home runs a lot of people say he's kind of a sam fold uh type of guy but uh you go five for five i don't care how big you are (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna make some money if you can keep up anything close to that all right uh i'm rick tittle we still got another hour to go and don't forget about how elon musk really got his money i'm rick tittle come on back
12: Radio News with Tim Berg. Russia says there will be no ceasefire in Ukraine during peace talks. Russian officials saying peace talks with Ukraine aren't moving at the speed which they would like them to. They're also accusing the West of trying to derail negotiations by raising war crime allegations against Russia, which they deny. Dr. Anthony Fauci believes that Americans can begin assessing their own risk of COVID-19. But former CDC Director Robert Redfield speaking on Fox News says the country should be taking precautions for a surge that's likely to come this fall.
9: Remember, natural immunity only lasts for probably three to four months from natural infection. And secondly, people are going to be further away from their uh, third injection or fourth injection. So I do think we need to be prepared for a potential significant
0: surge in the fall.
12: USA Radio News
0: an adult elephant can weigh up to six tons the average person hundred and fifty pounds ever heard of carfentanil it's a large wild animal tranquilizer illegal drug dealers lace heroin with it it can kill the average human if you or a loved one is addicted to opiates even pain pills don't wait until it's too late call the detox and treatment helpline now we care many of us have been where you are We'll take you or a loved one away from the drug environment to a place you can clean out safely. Plus, we'll work with your insurance company to make sure you get the treatment you need. And with a Family Medical Leave Act, you're allowed by law to get away for help without telling your employer why. Call now to save a life. 800-707-9709. 800-707-9709. That's 800-707-9709. Republicans are vowing
12: to make President Biden a moderate if they retake Congress. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell also says the White House won't get in the way of his party getting things done. The Kentucky Republican also saying the border issue will be big in the 2022 midterms. One of the things the previous administration did well is they got control of the border. Uh, The president promised to come in and change everything. He did. We have open borders now, almost, so it'll be a huge issue in the fall election. A new report is highlighting one reason the Pacific Ocean is so dirty. About 70 million gallons of sewage has spilled in Los Angeles County since 2007. More than half of it ended up in storms or a river. The worst was last year with 25 million gallons of raw sewage being spilled into the ocean or waterways that emptied into it. Sewers in the area are typically inspected every 15 years. A report on the recommendation is due next month. USA Radio News. Gun smoke.
8: Fort
10: Laramie. Have gun, will travel. Frontier gentlemen. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. The greatest radio shows of all
13: time, Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. On many of these radio stations
12: or online, just search for Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt
14: Cox. That's Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox.
12: A group of lawmakers are in Poland to meet with U.S. troops.
14: House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has led a bipartisan group of lawmakers to Warsaw to meet with the Prime Minister of Poland and officials from Ukraine to discuss the ongoing war. McCarthy said that Poland has been a strategic partner to the U.S. by contributing fully to NATO. Congresswoman Liz Cheney said that a missile strike that killed at least 50 people in a crowded train station filled with civilians evacuating from Ukraine was clearly genocide. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King.
12: The Biden administration could soon lift Title 42, an authority invoked by former President Trump that denies illegal immigrants' asylum because of public health concerns. Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott says he's going to bus illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. in protest. This as Texas AG Ken Paxton says his state is already struggling with drugs and human trafficking.
3: The reality is this is not a publicity stunt. We are trying to find every possible means that we can protect our citizens because we know that the federal government is not only going to not protect them, They're inviting all of these harms to our state every single day.
12: Twitter's CEO tweeted that billionaire Elon Musk has decided he will no longer join the company's board of directors. The reversal coming after Musk spent part of the weekend criticizing the company. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg.
11: Do you own an annuity? Either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns?
15: I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle, biznatch.
2: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. A one 800 a play 1-800-878-7529. Got a busy hour coming up here, hour number three, Chris Wynn from Against the Numbers going to talk, uh, he always says talk about whatever you want, so I'm going to go into a little uh, baseball with him, maybe some NBA matchups, we'll see what I feel like, it's my show. Singer Fire Rose, oh yeah, that's what the uh, the fire department uses, no, that's Fire hose. Fire Rose, she has a new song called All Figured Out. We'll talk to the lovely and talented Fire Rose. And uh, then we'll bring in author and diplomat, David Alan Greer. He will, what's that? Oh, he's a comedian. Sorry, David Alan Schleifer. Book two of the Far North Ireland. I don't know what that means, Far North Ireland, but I'll figure it out. Saga, The Heir of Lemon Canaan. Oh, the air of Lemon Canaan, he came a-comin' along. You might have heard this story. Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred trying to repair the tattered relationship with the players. According to Stephen Nesbitt of The Athletic, on opening day, players were greeted with gift boxes that had Bose headphones and a letter from the commission. Stephen Chicklis And it said, as we get ready to start a new season, I wanted to take a moment to send a note of appreciation. Being a major leaguer is an extraordinary accomplishment that beyond your remarkable talent shows your dedication to this great game. Along with our clubs, I'm committed to working together with all players to grow the sport. I'm excited about the opportunities that lie ahead. And by working together, I know we can bring the game to new heights. Please accept this gift as a small gesture of my appreciation for the hard work that comes with being a major leaguer and your respect for our incredible fans. Thank you for everything you do in a game that has such a rich history and deep meaning to our fans in the U.S. and around the world. Wishing you the best of luck for a successful season. huh. Yeah, we had 99 days, and a headphone wasn't one when we had the lockout, but I'm sure these guys already had fancy headphones. I'm sure someone in their family will appreciate getting them, or a clubby, but uh, yeah, a little present from the commish. Aw, everything's good now. Come on back.
3: And now today's Rust Eating Tip of the Day, presented by Free All Deep Penetrating Oil. You're all set for a quick tire rotation until you have a rusted-on wheel. Coat those lug nuts in penetrating oil, let them sit for a few minutes, and you'll have them off in a cinch. Now give a generous spray into each mounting hole, place a 2x4 on the outer edge of the wheel, and smack the wood with a mallet, just enough to create some braking force and vibration. Repeat if necessary. And now a word from Free All. Stop wasting your time struggling to loosen rusted nuts and bolts. Start using Free All deep penetrating oil.
10: beating the books at their own game visit against the number.com to the number.com.
1: sports with rick tittle rick tittle is a genius the best show ever he's so wonderful genius the best show ever He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, is it? He's so handsome. He's a genius.
2: Hey, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's 12 after the third hour. 11-12 11:12 in in California, and it's time to check in with one of our friends at againstthenumber.com. <clears throat> and it is a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. And joining us from ATN is our buddy Chris Wynn, who covers everything. we talk a little NBA. Before we get into the playoff matchups, Chris, we're hearing that um, of all the multiple candidates for the Laker job, that they really want Nick Nurse. Now, of course, he just signed an extension, so they'd have to give them a large... uh, you know, compensation, even if they even allowed him, even if he's interested, your thoughts, Nick Nurse to the Lakers.
19: Good to join you, Rick, and yeah, it's uh, certainly intriguing, to say the least, no question about it. Obviously, Nick Nurse, an NBA champion, head coach in that, you know, that magical season with the Raptors up there, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see how this all shakes out. Obviously, it was, you know, No big surprise whatsoever. The past, basically, two to three months regarding Frank Vogel and his situation with the Los Angeles Lakers. And look, it's it's the NBA, so it's the Lakers. So you know, it's regardless of even what NBA market you're in, it it always has to be you know something that people pay attention to when it's when we're talking about one of the glamour franchises in the NBA. So this was uh, not exactly shocking news. For, uh, for NBA fans out there, for a lot of us, as the NBA season wind down, that uh, there was going to be a new coach probably in Los Angeles with the Lakers, and uh, Frank Vogel is out after just three seasons there. And, uh, again, not really a surprise. Uh, you, you talk about Nick Nurse, another interesting name, Rick, that, that, uh, that, that kind of is getting floated out there, at least from my neck of the woods, up there in uh, Michigan. Of course, is, uh, is Jawan Howard there. If, uh, the Michigan Wolverines, obviously, you saw what happened with, uh, you know, kind of a turbulent end to his season here in 2022. But, uh, obviously, Rob Palenka was a teammate of Jawan Howard in the Fab, with the Fab Five back in the early 90s. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, whether or not, uh, that's a direction that they may go as well, too.
2: Yeah, I don't see that happening, although it would be cool to have Juwan in L.A., because then you could put him and uh, Will Smith in the same room, let him slap it out. I can
19: absolutely see that going down, no question about it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's talk about some matchups, and um, I'm a lifelong Warrior fan. I'm not a Johnny-come-lately Fairweather Warrior fan. I've been my team my whole life. They get the nuggets now this all depends on how healthy and how effective Steph Curry is obviously if he's not healthy and effective the Warriors don't stand a chance but if he is I think they have a great chance but then again Nikola Jokic looks like he's going to be the MVP what do you think about this matchup
19: this is absolutely to me the uh the most fun matchup when you take a look at these first round matchups obviously we have you know the uh the 7-8 and 9-10 and, and matchups here going into Tuesday and Wednesday. So we're going to kind of get, you know, the whole playoff picture set. But uh, it jumped out at me, Rick. It really did, this matchup, uh, when you take a look at, uh, you know, the the actual games that are set and series that are set. So uh, you're obviously talking about a guy and, uh, you know, MVP caliber player and uh, Nikola Jokic. obviously is, just a, is a nugget team that uh, to me is they're, they've always been the bridesmaid, right? I mean, it's, it's just a team. They, they've never been, uh, you know, championship caliber, uh, especially here in recent years. And uh, it, it always makes all of us wonder: Hey, can they be? The, can this finally be the team that gets over the hump? Can they finally be, you know, that Denver team or that Utah Jazz team that can win a championship? And so. It's going to be a lot of fun to see them go up against you know a team the likes of the uh, Golden State Warriors as you point out. Going to be uh, you know it's it's going to play out big time. Exactly what the health situation is with the Golden State Warriors. We know they have the horses. We know they have the players, and uh, you know expect that uh, from a chemistry standpoint, it's going to be a team that's going to be very formidable. It's just a matter of what Sneaker and uh, Howard would be there in the Bay Area. And, uh, put on the court as far as they uh, line up on a consistent basis as we had into this playoff
2: series. When I look into the Eastern Conference and uh, Miami getting hot and holding on to number one, but I sort of feel like Boston, and they're going to play whoever wins Brooklyn-Cleveland you mentioned uh, tomorrow, but I sort of feel that Boston is kind of the team that's feeling it right now in the East. And of course, you can't cut out the Bucks and the Sixers as well as the Heat, but What do you think about the best team in the East right now?
19: Yeah, to me, the best team in the East right now is in my opinion, is the Philadelphia 76ers uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks close behind there at number two, but the Celtics, yes, I mean, they're again, an interesting team when you're talking about the likes of Jason Tatum and, uh, you know, a guy, obviously in Marcus Smart, I think who's, you know, kind of an under the radar guy. Uh, You like the pieces they have Jalen Brown, another guy, but this, this is a, this is a Celtic team. I think that, uh, you know, while they could make some noise in the playoffs, I don't think anybody seriously believes that this is a Boston team. That's going to going to be, you know, at the end of the day is going to be up there with the legs of so the Miami Heat and the Sixers and the, and the Milwaukee Bucks and those teams. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Could they throw a lucky wrench into the situation? Maybe a little bit, I guess, but, I I I don't believe that everybody any everybody out there is saying to themselves, Oh yeah, this is uh you know, of all the teams in the NBA playoffs here this season, this is a you know, this Boston team is one that's
2: gonna, you know, be rolling through and uh and really scare a lot of people. Last question for you. In the West, Phoenix when they lost Chris Paul, stayed great. Memphis when they lost John Morant stayed great the Warriors when they lost Steph Curry worst team in basketball. So when you look in the West, do you just think of it as the suns tournament to lose with the Grizz being the biggest threat then?
19: I don't know think there's any question about it, Rick. Uh, I haven't been uh, shy at all by saying that I think this is the year that the Phoenix Suns get it done you know being on the doorstep uh, you know in recent years. Without question, uh, you know, being right there, obviously, last year against the Milwaukee Bucks in the finals, um, the health, obviously, of a, you know your veteran kind of anchor piece and Chris Paul is a big factor. And uh, now that he is back, you expect the likes of DeAndre Ayton and uh, you know uh, Devin Booker as well as uh, you know obviously uh, other other guys other guys in that in that locker room that uh, were big time contributors last year also coming to the forefront. To me, it's it's not even just about the Western Conference when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. To me, I think uh, I love the matchups when you take a look at the uh, cross-conference situation. If they do match up against a team maybe in the Philadelphia 76ers or the Milwaukee Bucks. And uh, I think that Phoenix Suns and their fans are going to be very happy about the results coming out of the uh, coming out of the desert this year. Because I think this is a team that's absolutely prized. To, uh, to capture that title. So I think it's a, it's a feel-good story, Rick. I really do. I think it's going to be the, you know, Chris Paul finally, you know, lead the team to a championship after all those years in Los Angeles with the Clippers where they couldn't get it done, you know, and, and obviously Chris played a lot of other years, you know, in, in the likes of New Orleans and Charlotte as well too. But this is, I'm, to me,
2: I think this is actually the year where the Phoenix Suns get it done. Yeah, Houston as well. There he is, Chris. All he does is win from againstthenumber.com. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, have a good week. We'll talk to you soon. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back on the other side. Sports Byline USA.
0: you don't love your car payment open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as hundred dollars a month or more it's easy to refinance your car payment just call today to get your no obligation quote and find out how much you can save to qualify for a lower car payment your car should be less than 10 years old have less than 125,000 miles and you've made at least six on-time payments call open road lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing 1759. just put it in your pocket
7: Cause this one, I got it Oh, we'll figure it out There's no need to cut it Cause this one, I got it all we'll scissor it out And when you're ready Take it slowly And you'll know it was without No need to worry Cause this one, I got it Oh, we'll figure it out
2: All right, that is uh, the new track, All Figured Out, from the lovely and talented singer-songwriter Fire Rose, and uh, this is going to be released on uh, May 6th. we got a little sneak peek. Fire Rose is with us right now, a native of uh, New South Wales, but now living in uh, Los Angeles. Fire Rose, welcome to the show, and um, I was thinking about how you know, coming from Sydney to, to LA, how much of that was a culture shock to you? And then how much of it just seemed like this is where I belong?
15: That's such a great question. Um, you know, I actually always had this kind of, I guess you could call it an instinct or intuition that I was going to end up um, living in America. I just had felt that literally ever since I was um, really young, and I couldn't explain it, but I just, I had this kind of intuitive calling that my soul belonged in the States, even though I grew up in Sydney, so by the time when I actually did make the move at 19, um, it just really felt like very right to every part of me.
2: Now, your your parents... Right. Sorry. No. I know your parents are musicians, and you went to the Newtown School for the Performing Arts in Sydney, very prestigious. Um, and then you, when did you think I'm going to be a star in Australia, or did you did you just think, no, no, America, America is calling?
15: <laughs> Truly, um, I was I was very um, I was really like blessed to get to go to Newtown because um, it was such a it was such a phenomenal school to support artists in in Australia, um, but to be honest, like the, the second I, I was old enough to get on that plane and move to the states, I was I was all about it. So I, I really felt like um, the the opportunities in the music world in America just seemed um, to really be where my heart was at.
2: And then you know, what's it like to be embraced? in places like Nashville and you know, there are American artists who try their whole lives to get uh, at the grand old Opry, uh, which you were able to do and you worked with Billy Ray Cyrus. You did a song. Did it all come so fast to you or do you kind of feel like it's been a hard and rocky road?
15: Yeah, it's it's definitely (laughs) been a hard and rocky road. like the, um, the sort of whole notion of, um, of, success or whatever that means for so any individual um, it's sort of different and obviously by the time uh, I was playing the Grand Old Opry it it, it was uh, a full circle moment because that had been a dream of mine since I could remember but it definitely took many years of, um, of you know playing much smaller venues and um, really just working at my craft and becoming the best songwriter that I could to to get myself in a place where those opportunities you know eventuated
2: yeah well it seems that you're very versatile and i know everyone likes to pigeonhole and i know on the radio industry we might say like hot ac for people who doesn't know don't know what that means that means uh like the the new adult contemporary you know as they try to categorize how, how would you describe your brand of music
15: that's a great question too. i guess i i probably describe it as soul pop because i really always write from that Place in me that is just deeply connected to my soul. That is—it's quite unexplainable. So, I feel um, it, the the song kind of just comes from this place that I I can't express in words, and it only through music can I can I fully express that part of me. So, I guess um, it's pop, but it's it's definitely like soul pop. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A couple more questions for Fire Rose, her new song "All Figured Out" coming out on May sixth. A piano ballad, which I always um, am a sucker for, you know, there's there's something to be said yeah. about a great big production and a, you know, 50-piece band, but what is it about just the basics of just sitting down at a piano and writing and singing a song there?
15: Well, that's really, like, how all my songs start, so even even the ones that end up to, um, I get to play with a big band, or, or there's a high level of um, production and, and session musicians coming into play, that's always super fun, but when it comes to just how the song comes to me, it's always it always starts with me sitting at my piano, and um, and the lyrics and melody kind of forming together. So it's it's really exciting to be um, releasing all figured out, which is which is such a stripped back um, version that hopefully like people will kind of see a side to me that they haven't in my in my previous uh, releases because it's just me and the piano and no no smoke and mirrors. It's just it's pretty raw.
2: And produced by the late great, great Alan O'Day. What was it like to have his expertise on this?
15: Well, Alan was a, a mentor and a friend, kind of like I I'd never had um, before at the time. He really just took me under his wing and believed in my in my music, and um, I was so blessed to get the opportunity to re- record with him before he passed. And so I. Definitely, I I get emotional when I think about it. But I definitely feel like he's he's with me, and um, and his spirit is uh, has been like very much my kind of guiding angel since he's passed. So I'm I'm honored that he produced the track with me.
2: This it sounds like your music. You're not looking for like a a little catchphrase or a peppy little tune to get us tapping our feet but this comes your music comes deep down within your emotions doesn't it
15: yeah thank you so much for saying that right. yeah that's that's really that's kind of how, how I was made and I'm, I'm just super grateful to, get to share that with people
2: how does that help you because I know that you went through some rough times how has the music helped you uh, because it helps all of us, but how does it help you directly?
15: Thank you. Um, it, it truly without without music, I don't think I I would be here. I it has been the cornerstone of of like my life since I can remember. And writing songs was how I processed m- emotions, especially when I was going through difficult, challenging, dark times in my life. It was kind of like um, my saving grace, really, that I could. I could alchemize that pain into into the song. So that's like the idea that other people will then be able to hear the song that kind of got me out of the dark place. And hopefully it can do the same for the listeners. And that's just, yeah, the greatest gift of music I can, I can think of.
2: Uh, well said. And I know during the pandemic, some people in America thought that we here in California had some draconian mandates. But I know in Australia, I mean, Melbourne was, like, shut down for a year and a half. What, yeah. was, was it yeah. impossible to travel back and forth?
15: It was full of, I mean, my my family who, who live in Melbourne, um, they were just telling me these crazy stories of, like, you know, the, the curfew and the police being out in the street sort of saying, it's 7 o'clock, everyone go home on megaphones, and pretty nuts um, levels of, of lockdowns and people being fined for being, you know, a mile away from their house. And yeah, it was really, I'm so happy that that's the kind of level of um, intensity has been lifted from Australia. <laughs> for sure.
2: La- last question for you. And you know, show business in LA will chew you up and spit you out. And there are 10,000 000- girls trying to be Fire Rose who have moved to LA that are working at Starbucks, still trying to figure it out, trying to get that lucky break. So do you sometimes have to pinch yourself that through your own talent, through your own merit, but that you actually have uh, made it to a spot now where you can look back and, and realize it was all worth it?
15: Uh, every day. Every day I, I, I pinch myself and I, I, like, I start every day um, praying and thanking, my like my god who has got me to this place that that truly is just my story happened um for me that I just kind of kept the faith that my music was gonna get me to where I needed to be and there's not a not a day that goes by that I'm not profoundly grateful for the fact that I am where I'm at now with with my career and I I had those jobs you know I I was working as a as a waitress in a um, as a ho- like hostess at restaurants for many years before I was able to make um, my my living from music. So I absolutely remind myself of that every day.
2: <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. We've been speaking with Fire Rose, the news track called All Figured Out. We'll hear a little bit more of it on the way out. It's available on uh, May 6th where you can get all... Uh, anywhere you can get uh, streaming music. Fire Rose, uh, th- congratulations. If you're ever uh, in San Francisco, come on in the studio. I'd love to have you drop by. Thank you so
15: much. Absolutely. I'd love
2: that. All right. Yeah, no man. doubt about it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, as as, you, as I was saying, I mean, how many people go to L.A. and they say, I'm going to make it, that are from like the Valley or Orange County, and then she comes from a different continent, and is able to make And in nashville they embraced her you know she's a foreigner she i mean you got to have a lot of talent to make it so we'll listen to a little bit more of all figured out and we'll come back on the other side with david allen schlafer
7: this one i got it all figured out i got it.
20: Insight Daily Radio Minute. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture with over 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program since the 1970s. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book, and the beginnings of the radio program that brought the fictional town of Lake Wobegon to life. It's an
16: interesting novel in that I go to funerals of people. I went to high school with my my best friends. I give a eulogy, and it's such a good eulogy that I'm asked to deliver the eulogies at other
20: funerals, including people who I never cared for whatsoever. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, comes out April 11th. See Garrison Keillor live on stage May 2nd at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Keillor will be joined by iconic artists, including country music star Brad Paisley, soprano Ellie Dean, Elvin Bishop's Big Fun Trio, vocalist Heather Massey, and many more. Enjoy a live show filled with Lake Wobegon stories, humor, music, and audience sing-alongs. Red Rock Amphitheater. May 2nd. Reserve your seat today.
10: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic. Maybe I could be a food critic. These muffins taste bad. Or an art critic. That painting is bad.
7: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast. And around the world on the American Forces Radio Network, it's our pleasure to welcome to the show diplomat and author David Allen Schlafer. And he's here to talk about his book, The Air of Lemon Canaan. The Far Northern Land Saga, book two, Finnish legends come to life. Um, I'm already uh, in the mind of elves, uh, David, or as I think they call them, they're ilves. What, what, uh, what are we talking about here?
13: Yeah, exactly. And your pronunciation <laughs> uh, was pretty good, so I'll, I'll give you some credit for that as well. There's a lot of uh, Finnish names uh, and Finnish language in these books, and it's not always easy so um, I had an opportunity uh, several years ago to, to live in Finland for uh, many years. I was assigned there as a Foreign Service Officer, studied Finnish for one year before that assignment, um, and I really fell in love with Finnish uh, folklore and Finnish myth. It is a completely different uh, mythological system than uh, the Norse myth that you know we all know so well, uh, characters like Loki and Thor and Odin. Uh, completely different uh, historical background, lots of fantastic heroes, villains, very interesting magic system uh, that's based upon songs and spells. Um, and so I really fell in love with it. And being a big fantasy fan and being a writer, I, I decided that I wanted to write uh, a uh, fantasy series that was set in that world, that was set in the world of Finnish myth and legend. Uh, and that's what the Far Northern Land Saga is uh, is all about.
2: Kalevala, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is is the epic, and you got a job working at the embassy in Helsinki, and uh, you, you've you taken to the land. Are you now calling it Suomi, or are you still calling it Finland?
13: <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, absolutely, Suomi is, is in my heart, and I, I still do uh, speak Finnish, uh, but I, I, I try to make this a little more accessible for an english-speaking audience uh, and uh, limit uh, limit some of the Finnish in there although it's still a beautiful language and i did want to introduce people to it
2: you know um... a lot of times we lump scandinavia together and my grandfather was from denmark and i've been to denmark many times but the way the danes see the world the swedes obviously see it differently as the norwegians but the Finns, especially if you think back to the winter war that they had with the Soviet Union, they are a, a hardy lot, aren't they?
13: Yeah, they really are. I mean, it's an amazing story uh, of resistance that you just mentioned, being able to hold off uh, the Soviet army uh, for several months and you know, basically broker a peace treaty that allowed them... To, uh, to be independent, and, and then they wound up uh, as part of the larger uh, uh, World War II conflict uh, just a short time later. Reminds me a lot of what is going on in, in Ukraine. Uh, as, you, uh, as you know, I was in Ukraine very recently. I was assigned to the American embassy in Kiev. Uh, everything that is going on there now and the incredible resistance that the Ukrainians are showing, it reminds me uh, a heck of a lot of what Finland went through. Uh, in the 20th century.
2: Well, with someone with uh, direct knowledge of the situation, what do you think the end game now is for Putin? Is it just to hold on to the Donbass and and other regions where he, uh, you know, he had the the, the 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 Russian citizens in quotes holding on to Crimea, um, making sure that uh, Ukraine, even if they join the European Union, do not join. NATO, do you kind of see that as uh, this calming down, or do you see it spilling over into NATO?
13: Yeah, I certainly hope it doesn't spill over into NATO. You know, it's anyone's <laughs> guess what Putin is is thinking. Uh, obviously, they made a huge mistake in terms of their military strategy and their assessment of Ukrainian ability and resolve. but um, as as heartening as, as that story is, I, I don't think the war is about to end. Um, and uh, there's certainly a possibility that, that things could, uh, could go in, in a negative direction. Um, I think it's clear over the course of the last couple of days that uh, the Russians are massing troops outside of Kharkiv for a very large offensive uh, in the Donbass. Um, it does look like Mariupol, which has just resisted you know, heroically for, what is it, 47 days now, 48 days now, may be approaching, uh, you know, an end game where the remaining Ukrainian defenders have to wind up capitulating. Um, and if that happens, I think Ukraine is still in for uh, a very dangerous period. So it's not over yet. Certainly Ukraine continues to need, you know, all the international support that it's been getting from the U.S. and, and the whole international community. Uh, and we can only hope that if they're able to weather that storm, that will finally bring, uh, bring Putin uh, to the table, Uh, And he will choose to cut his losses, however he may represent it, you know, at home, uh, that uh, he basically uh, does withdraw. um, And we do have an end to the conflict that's going
2: on. A couple more questions for David Allen Schlafer. For, you know, me in my 50s, the the thought of Russia attacking Ukraine would be like the rest of New England attacking Connecticut. It's like, wait, aren't they all the same. And of course, they have a lot of cultural similarities, to say the least. Everyone speaks Russian. But uh, a friend of mine who grew up in the west of the Carpathians, they took great pride in speaking Ukrainian, and they don't want to speak Russian. And they kind of think those in the uh, center or the east uh, and Kiev and Odessa, that those are the ones that are a little more sympathetic to Russia. But I think if anything could unite the entire country, it would be uh, an invasion. So, when you think about all the cultural differences that come into it, the cultural similarities way outweigh it. So, um, h- how do you see uh, just if you had to bet this coming to, to a conclusion?
13: Yeah, I I think that there will be a peace uh, uh, at at some point, hopefully in the not-too-distant future. I think you hit on some really good points there. I mean, even if the Russians had been able to take Kiev uh, and actually take control of the whole country, you know, what then? There's no way that they would be able to occupy the entire country. It's too big. If they withdrew any puppet government that they installed, uh, would have been overthrown almost immediately. You know, so again, it gets to that question of Russian strategy. You know, what in the world did Putin really think was going to happen? Uh, how poor was the information upon which he, he based this full scale invasion? Um, you know, as you noted, Rick, uh, very proud people, very proud of their distinct culture, linguistic history you know, cousins of, of Russia and Russian culture, you bet, but definitely Ukrainians think of themselves, uh, and rightfully so, a separate nation, a separate people, um, and a very fierce independent spirit. Um, and, and this invasion has just solidified that. Um, I think most of the Russian speakers you referred to in the East uh, absolutely oppose what is going on, um, and they are now very much united uh, with their fellow Ukrainians as well. So, again, a huge miscalculation. Um, I I don't know what the end game is. That will depend on on probably some very, very sensitive negotiations. But um, I I think that Ukraine has showed, you know, the whole world what resolve uh, and just a spirit of determination can do in the face of this kind of aggression.
2: In your career as a diplomat from the Far East to South America to Eastern Europe to Central America... Is there one place? It's. I mean, obviously, we know your love for Helsinki and Finland, but there's one place that you're very fond of, and contrastly, one place that you'd kind of like to never go back to. <laughs>
13: <laughs> I don't think there's any place I've lived maybe that I wouldn't wouldn't like to go back to. Um, I'll, I'll take that question uh, first, but um, you know, I have served uh, in in some pretty difficult parts of the world. Um, I served in Iraq um, and was part of a uh, Provincial Reconstruction Team uh, with the 3rd Brigade Combat Team. Um, I love and miss and, you know, respect my Iraqi brothers and sisters with whom I served so much, uh, but I probably wouldn't really want to go back to that part of the world, uh, given, uh, you know, what we went through collectively together. That was a very, very difficult assignment. On the flip side, your first question, apart from Finland, I did a long tour in Japan. I was in Tokyo. I was the uh, political and military affairs director at our embassy there, um, and that is just an amazing, amazing place. Uh, you know, s- such an incredible culture. It's so so difficult to understand, even if you live there uh, for many years. Uh, but just absolutely amazing sense of history that pervades everything. Uh, uh, you know, welded onto this incredible technology and in this futuristic type of world. I think uh, for for a Westerner. Uh, for a guy gene that is living there, so a, a really cool place, and I feel very privileged to have had the opportunity to live there for so long.
2: By the way, you were mentioning poor information earlier. I'll just have you know, on your official press release for your book, TWICE in all caps, it says your book is a Far North Ireland saga, and I thought, I don't know what North Ireland is. I mean, and Then I actually had to look at the cover of your book, so... Uh, I don't say you want to get your money back there, but <laughs> it's, it's called The Far Northern Land Saga Book to Finnish Legends Come to Life, the era of Lemon Canaan. That's what it's really called. So tell us just a little bit more about it. if we get this book, what are we going to find inside of it?
1: Yeah,
13: absolutely. And thanks for that tip. I haven't seen that, uh, that call sheet, but I'll definitely – Definitely get on that. So uh, it's set in the world of the Kalevala, the story, and it's a trilogy. So the book that just came out is the second book. First book is called The Mark of the Bear Clan. That's a little easier to Google maybe than the Eric Lemminkainen. And it's a double drama set in this world of the Kalevala. One protagonist uh, is a girl named Ula, just a child in the first book. Uh, she survives a bear mauling, which was a quite a common danger uh, in Iron Age Finland, um, and is healed by a shaman. And she sets off on what the Finns, the ancient Finns, called uh, the trail for singers, and, and that was the life path of, of Finnish wizards. Uh, their their whole uh, magical system, um, and this isn't just fantasy or folklore. You know, this was really a part of the life of the people in this part of the world. Uh, was based upon singing singing magic, chanting magic, uh, typically related to nature in some way. Um, and that's really how the uh, book starts off. Uh, and and she goes down this trail for singers uh, slowly over the course of about 20 years. Uh, that's the time period throughout the trilogy. Uh, she matures uh, and, and becomes a wizard, becomes a shaman herself, and finds herself in this great drama and this great titanic struggle that is taking place uh, in uh, in the far northern land, uh, which which is Finland.
2: Very cool. We've been speaking with author David Allen Schlafer, who has served this country in many ways and has written book two of the far northern land saga, Finnish Legends Come to Life, the heir of Lemminkainen. Do they say uh, umlaut there, too, in Germany over the A? Uh,
13: they, uh, they, it's a diacritic. So They call it a diacritic, and they've got a, a few dots over a few different letters.
2: There it is. Hey, David, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
13: Absolutely. Had a good time. Thanks.
2: Uh, all right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on Sports Byline.
4: Call Rate Genius now.
0: 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. 800-811-7913. That's 800-811-7913. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors.
17: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose 3 to 5 pounds a week easily? If you're ready to start losing weight right now, call right now to learn more about your risk free order to Body Sculpt.
0: Call for your risk free offer. 800 738 5332. 800 738 5332. 800 738 5332. That's 800 738 5332.
7: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
2: All right, uh, thank you for that. Um, <clears throat> you know I have seen over the last couple of years these these p r companies they have these guests come in and they get the name of the guy wrong, but they got the name of the book wrong twice in all caps. a far North Ireland saga. and I thought, what There's no such thing as North Ireland. <laughs> I look at the book, and it's so anyway. I hope he gets his money back from that. Um, Earlier this week, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver addressed reporters at a news conference at the Board of Governors meetings, and he touched on a number of topics. But most notable was the trend of star players not participating in a full complement of games. He said, I'm not standing here saying I have a solution. Part of the issues is injuries, blah, 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 blah. But he wants to figure it out. Well, Steve Kerr chimed in again. And he said, to me, what makes the most sense is cutting back to maybe a 72-game schedule. Take 10 games off and get more time to rest in between games. I think you'll get teams to play their guys more often. Uh, Adam Silver said, I've also said in the past that if we have too many games, that's something we should look at as well. If it is something, uh, as we'll sit down and we're looking at new media deals and try looking at a new CBA, and we'll be studying it too. So, look. You cut out ten games. You cut out ten games worth of money, and that basically ends the conversation right there. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with another live edition of the show at nine a.m. pack time. Stay tuned for more fantastic entertainment from Sports Byline USA. <laughs>